So you have some back issues tonight. Yes. But you're soldiering on. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> you're like an old person. So just warning, try not to make you laugh, right? That's not going to work. Okay. I don't think you have that capability to... To make me laugh? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's cruel. <laughs> to not make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... With your back pain, we'll try to get through this as quickly as possible. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about tonight. We didn't discuss it. So what do you have? My story is about how a Kansas dad hopes to catch his daughter's murderer using billboards. Wow. Never heard of this. Once again. (laughs) 20-year-old Allie Kemp was beaten and strangled at a Kansas neighborhood pool. Her former boyfriend and her father, Roger, helped bring the killer to justice. Roger Kemp was the first to see the body of his daughter lying underneath a tarp in a pool maintenance room on June 2002. How horrible is that? I know, I can't imagine the fact that it was a family member, but also the father. Yeah. Roger was called by his son, who was supposed to meet Allie at the pool where she had a summer job, but he was unable to find her. Roger ended up finding her in a maintenance room, badly beaten with blood everywhere. Allie died shortly after arriving at the local hospital. Just going back to that, I just can't even imagine finding your child in that state. Yeah. And that's just horrible, horrible, horrible. Authorities in Leewood, Kansas had very few clues or suspects. There was a clear struggle as her fingernails were broken. A tube of antiseptic ointment had also been removed from the room's first aid kit and uncapped. Investigators first looked at Allie's on-again, off-again boyfriend, Phil Howes, but he had a solid alibi. He said Allie had told him that she didn't like being alone at the pool because the lawn workers would say comments to her and watch her. Phil also worked at the pool, and he said Allie relieved him of his shift the day she died around 12 p.m. A detail that stuck out was an old Ford pickup that was seen in and out of the parking lot that afternoon. He was spotted the previous day lurking in the bushes with a video camera. Allie also called her friend Laurel to come visit her at the pool around 3 p.m. Laurel said she showed up and honked her horn for Allie to come out, but Allie didn't show up. Laurel also stated she saw a man that she'd never seen before leaving the maintenance building. He waved and got into the truck. She was able to give police a composite sketch, at least as a starting point. Howes pitched in by launching a virtual manhunt, posting the composite sketch around Kansas University's campus, and urging people to watch an episode of America's Most Wanted featuring Allie's case. Howes stated, quote, This monster will do this again, and we need everyone's help to try to find him and bring him in, end quote. Roger stepped up his efforts in 2003. Quote, you've got two choices. You can stay in bed and pull the covers over your head, or you can go out and fight the battle. I was going to fight the battle, and there was no way I was going to let this guy win. End quote. Roger called up America's Most Wanted and convinced producers to run her case again 
and upped the Kansas City-based Crime Stoppers reward to $25,000, which was then matched by city officials for a $50,000 reward. The first lead was a man named James Strader. Someone had said he looked like the composite sketch. James was soon eliminated after his boss said he was at work the whole time. However, in February 2003, James Strader would once again be on police's radar when he was wanted in Kansas and Missouri for assaulting several women. James was eventually found in Utah and was arrested after skipping out on paying for gas. He was brought into the police station and once again eliminated after his DNA didn't match. Roger started asking around to billboard leasing companies for prices. One company figured out that it was Roger and said that there was no charge. The billboard high reward and television exposure helped with receiving more tips, including one pointing at a young man named Benjamin Appleby. The man was living in Connecticut where he went by another name, Ted Hoover. The 29-year-old was living under the Hoover alias to avoid prosecution for a 1997 sex offense. Investigators recalled then that they had spoken with a Ted Hoover back at the scene of Allie's murder years before, although he wasn't considered suspicious at the time. Police questioned him about Allie's case, but were stonewalled. They brought Benjamin into a room at the local police station where they had photos of Allie hung and stacks of thick binders designed to look like they had substantial files on him. He quickly broke down and confessed. Quote, I strangled her. I guess I don't know why I effing did it. End quote. Benjamin says in the recorded interview feature on the episode. And uh, what episode? America's Most Wanted episode. The recording from the interview was oh, featured on there. He was working in pool maintenance and said he intended to check out the facilities to try and get a contract. According to Benjamin, he spied on Allie in the pump room and wanted to hit on her. Per Benjamin's recollection, he touched her, not hard, he said, and when she resisted, he started strangling and punching the 20-year-old woman. Detectives then learned the horrific reason that the antiseptic ointment was out and uncapped. Benjamin was attempting to assault Allie when she lost consciousness and needed it for lubrication. Benjamin said he lost his nerve and headed back to his vehicle. On the way, he was spotted by Allie's friend, and he waved at her before leaving. Okay, so he was the one that walked out. How cold of a person is that? Well, I can't even imagine being the friend and seeing the person, like, right afterwards. Yeah, that has to be horrible, but I just, yeah, somebody murdering somebody and then just walking out casually and then just waving to somebody as they walked by, like, nothing happened. Yeah. Ugh. Benjamin first signal he intended to plead guilty and spare the Kemp family the pain of the trial, but later backed away from his confession and went to trial. He was found guilty of first-degree murder and attempted assault and sentenced to life with the possibility of parole in 50 years in addition to another 19 years for the attempted rape to be served consecutively. The rape conviction was later overturned. In 2019, Benjamin's attorney appealed for a reduced sentence, but was denied. When Allie's family gave their victim impact statement at sentencing, Benjamin asked to be removed from the courtroom, which I don't think they should have right, removed yeah. him. That's a cop-out. Mm-hmm. Roger Kemp later started a self-defense program for girls and women of all ages called the Allie Kemp Educational Foundation, or TAKE in short. It teaches women how to protect themselves when in danger. Roger was also awarded the Presidential Citizens Medal in 2011 for his work with the foundation. 
His belief was that his daughter would have still been alive had she known how to defend herself, and as a result, hoped to teach other women the same. Always amazed at people who go through such a traumatic event in their lives. Certainly the person who was murdered was yeah. traumatic, but then the survivors, and, and one, what he did to find the murderer, but then to help other people yeah. to stay safe. I think it just goes to show how much it meant to him and how much he loved his daughter that he didn't want other parents going through that. Yeah, it's just like um, collect yourself and be able to help other people. Yeah. Instead of just letting it just consume you. Yeah, I, I give them a lot of credit for doing that. Maybe in a way it, it's helping them because they couldn't do anything to help their loved ones. That they, I want to say, find peace in helping others. I can't imagine. Uh, no, I can't either. Let's go back to last week we were talking about, which we didn't want to get into the discussion of the death penalty. Yeah. But I still think if you take somebody's life, you should never end up back out in the street again. I'm sorry. It just... Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I, I agree with that. If you go as far as taking someone's life and putting someone else's family through something like that, that you should never have that chance to yeah. live a normal life again. Yeah. Especially when it was purposeful. Yeah. Right. This wasn't an accident. He purposely did this. Yeah. He forfeits his life as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But that's it. That's it? Yeah. Another, once again, sad story. Sad story, but in a weird sense, inspiring about what they did to find the killer. Yeah. I think it was great that, like he said, instead of just laying in bed underneath the covers, he wanted to do something about it to catch the person who did this. And also for the billboard company doing it with no charge. Yeah, I was wondering how much that would cost. But that's great that they, they, they gave it to him. Yeah. All right, well, short story tonight, but I uh, won't fault you too much since you do have a bad back. <laughs> and I'm amazed you've made it this far. I will be honest. The editing doesn't show, but I struggle. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> you, yeah, it might not come through on the audio, but I can definitely see how much you are struggling tonight. Yeah. And for the record, I offered to postpone, but this is how dedicated she is to the show. That she, <laughs> just, she did not want to delay. So don't blame me for making her suffer through this. No one's blaming you. <laughs> I don't want to get thousands and thousands of emails <laughs> from all those listeners. Yeah, all those listeners. We get so many emails, guys. <laughs> you guys are not shy with sending emails. <laughs> all right, so now we're getting into the sarcastic portion of our episode. <laughs> anyway, so I'll move on to my story. So originally I had read just this little blurb about a haunted restaurant up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And it sounded pretty interesting. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll look into that and then, you know, tell the story. Yeah. Then I started reading about the history of not only the building the restaurant is in, but the town of Halifax. And it got even more interesting. So I'm going to go through a little bit of the history first. 
Halifax was founded in 1750, and the first building constructed was the St. Paul's Anglican Church of England. As the town grew, there became a need for a school, so in 1817, the parishioners of St. Paul started construction on a building across the street from the church. They wanted a school to educate the poor, but also to focus on religious obligation and moral duties. The school opened in 1818 and was the first school in Canada to offer a free education. The growing educational needs of the community eventually outgrew the building, and the school moved across the street to the Dalhousie College. The building was then purchased by Anna Leon Owens, who started the Halifax Victorian School of Art. There's a whole history in that, but I won't get into that. And in 1883, the art school relocated and the building was purchased by John Snow and became the John Snow and Company Funeral Home. Oh. Yeah. There's a lot of relocations. Yeah. Well, you know, over the years, building changed hands. And also, go back to, they made people pay to go to school back then? Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that too, that there wasn't free education Well, how much education did they have? That was like the start (laughs) of time. (laughs) It might have been that, you know, obviously just like here, you know, there just wasn't an educational system at some point. Yeah. Gosh, I would not, well, I guess as a college student, I was going to say I would not pay for my education if I have to go. That's the one reason I got out of going to Catholic school (laughs) (laughs) and going into the public school system. They, wait, 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 wait. They make you pay to go to a religious school. So, so they can slap your knuckles with a ruler. They charge you for that? Yes. <laughs> you should be charging them. I, I agree. <laughs> that makes no sense. I'm assuming they don't like still do that. I, it wouldn't surprise me. Can't but let's not get into yeah. what the Catholic Church does and does not do. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sidebar there. Uh, So the John Snow and Company Funeral Home, and they actually stayed in the building until 1973 before they moved, and they are actually still in business today. Oh, wow. In 1975, the building was purchased and became the Five Fishermen's Restaurant. So that's the restaurant that I originally discovered the story about the hauntings. But the history is interesting, so I'm going to step back a little bit. As I'm sure we all know, On April 15, 1912, the Titanic sank 350 miles off the coast of Newfoundland. A lesser known fact is, at least to me, is that the rescue operation started from the nearest mainland port, which was Halifax. John Snow reportedly boarded the cable repair ship Mackie Bennett, taking 125 coffins and bombing fluid and iron to weigh down bodies for burial at sea. Oh my gosh. Yeah, bizarre. A couple of sources said that many of the recovered victims were taken back to Snow's funeral home, but I also read that the wealthier victims were the ones taken back to the funeral home. That makes sense. So there seems like there's some untold history there somewhere. Yeah. Right? But I won't get into that, but just just an interesting uh, side note there. Five years later, on December 6, 1917, what is known as the Halifax Explosion occurred after a French munitions ship, the SS Mont Blanc, struck another vessel in the harbor. At the time, it was the largest man-made explosion in history. 
all of the buildings within a half mile radius were either completely destroyed or severely damaged. Oh my gosh. 1,600 people were said to have been killed instantly. 9,000 others were injured, 300 of whom would later die from their injuries. Just crazy, crazy disaster. Yeah. Every funeral home, church, and school assisted after the disaster. There was a picture in the newspaper showing stacks and stacks of plain wooden coffins sitting outside of the building, the Snow Funeral Home, and lined up down the street. And the Snow Funeral Home reportedly conducted 30 to 40 funerals a day. Oh my gosh. And just another side note on the,、uh, on the massiveness of the explosion, not that it has anything to do with the ghost stories, but at the memorial site for the disaster, the anchor shaft from the Mont Blanc is on display. Weighing over 1,100 pounds, it was found nearly two and a half miles from the explosion. Oh my gosh. Yeah, really incredible how massive that was. You know, after reading that, I realized that it can't just be that the restaurant is haunted. Yeah. Seems like the whole town has to be haunted. Yeah. I, I don't know how it could not be. Yeah, there's no way it's not. But I did focus mainly on the Five Fishermen restaurant. So, sorry. You said that this restaurant was where the funeral home was? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, so it was a funeral home. And then when the funeral home moved in 75 or 73, it was a couple years later that they bought the building and it turned it into a restaurant. Something about that just doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> <laughs> What? The restaurant's in an old funeral home? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. w o u l d d it not creep you out knowing that eating there? I, I don't know. It is a gorgeous building, though.、So. Yeah, that makes Some of the other places, I, like I said, I'll talk mainly about the Five Fishermen, but some of the other places that you could visit if you ever find yourself in Halifax, which to me is now on my list of places I want to go visit. Yeah, we have like a whole list of haunted places now, huh? Yeah, so we better get moving. <laughs> There is the Old Burying Ground, which was the first graveyard. Founded in 1749, it contains over 12,000 graves. It is now a national historical site, but is reportedly haunted. The Halifax Citadel National Historic Site. The town was founded when the British established a fort on a strategic hill that overlooks the harbor. The fort went through many constructions over the years, but the current structure was built in 1856 and is reportedly haunted by some of the soldiers that served there and prisoners that were housed there. And then there's Alexander Keith's. Nova Scotia Brewery, which was established in 1820. Alexander Keith, who passed away in 1873, is said to be seen roaming around the building. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> They always are. Yes. As far as the five fishermen, glasses flying off shelves, silverware falling off tables, and sink faucets turning on by themselves are said to be regular occurrences. Are they paying for the water bill? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. This would be a great place to work if you're just naturally clumsy. <laughs> the ghost did it. <laughs> the ghost did it. You like drop all your glasses that you're carrying. The ghost did <laughs> the it. The ghost knocked me over. <laughs> Walking through cold spots is said to be common, even on what was described as the warmest of nights. Now, before global warming, I would have asked Does Nova Scotia ever have a warm night? Yeah. I think their, their average high temperature in the summer is 75 degrees. Oh, that'd be nice. 
Yeah. So maybe our definition of cold and warm is a little different. But (laughs) (laughs) Some of the more specific stories. A server in the dining room late one night heard someone go through the swinging doors to the kitchen. He turned to see the door swinging, but when he went to investigate, he couldn't find anyone. Swinging doors are never a good sign. Yeah, I don't think I'd follow that either. A dishwasher on his first day on the job was working alone late one night when he heard a sound behind him. He turned to see a ghostly apparition drifting through the kitchen. He is said to have run out, never to return. I don't blame him. (laughs) I don't know. Would you? Would you just take off? and? I don't know. I guess I'd have to be in that situation. Maybe I would. I don't know if I would never return again. Yeah, that'd be kind of hard because, you know, when you you see something like that and then afterwards you kind of start to question whether you saw what you saw. Yeah. So then you start, I would think you'd start to doubt yourself. And then, yeah, so I think at some point you'd say, okay, well, yeah, maybe it's not too bad. I'll go back and see if it happens again. Yeah. So, but hey, not, not shaming anybody for running away from that because it's totally respectable reaction well yeah i mean i'd probably run away but i don't know if i would not return yeah only because it's a job (laughs) right (laughs) let's see uh a waitress saw a gray apparition moving down one of the staircases no reports on whether she ran out (laughs) a server using a credit card machine felt someone tapping his shoulder being busy he didn't immediately acknowledge the tap When his shoulder was tapped again, he turned around saying, what? But nobody was there. What? (laughs) Maybe the ghost left because it was so aggressive. Yeah. He was was like, wow, how rude. The restaurant also has a room for private dining parties that has only one entrance. On one occasion, a waiter walked past and heard a man and a woman arguing. When he went to investigate, the voices stopped and he found the room empty. Hmm. On another occasion, a waitress was locking up after all of the customers had left, and she saw someone enter that room. She had thought it was just a customer she had not realized was still in the building, but when she went into the room, she found it empty. You sure there's only one entrance in there? Not like a secret door. (laughs) Nobody else knows about it, yeah. There has also been an appearance by an older gentleman described as having long gray hair and wearing a long black coat. Now, if they said he was also wearing a hat, I would have sworn they were talking about the creeper from Jeeper Creepers. Oh, my God. Maybe he lost his hat. <laughs> yeah. One employee who was in early prepping for opening bent down to pick up an ashtray that had somehow fallen and broken. And when he stood back up, he was facing a mirror in which he saw the man walking away from him. So he was looking in the mirror and he saw... Behind him, the man was walking away from him. I don't mess with that. Anything with mirrors freak me out. (laughs) (laughs) He checked around, but he couldn't find anyone. Anyone around. That's crazy. Another time, an assistant manager was there alone around the same time of day before opening. He was on the phone when he saw a man on the landing below. He told the man he would be with him in a moment, but when he got off the phone, the man was gone, and he went around and verified that nobody else was around. There was also a story about a manager who was up in the upstairs office around 2 a.m. when he heard knocking, but it wasn't constant. Yeah. Like random. Yeah. But he searched around and he couldn't find where it was coming from. That's creepy. 
And finally, just one of the stories from a customer encounter. There was a 12-year-old girl who was there with her family, which didn't know anything about the history of the building. She was coming down the stairs from the third floor bathroom and described seeing a young woman drifting over the staircase. Now, I couldn't find what exactly she was talking about as far as drifting over the staircase. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. But let's just leave it at she saw a ghostly apparition. Yeah. So that was it. I, you know, like I said, I, it was started out, I just was reading about this little haunted restaurant. Yeah. And was amazed at the history of the town. It's a lot of history. Yeah. A lot of moving around, too. Yeah. Well, no different than... The little, little <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a blipper. No different than the Lalori Mansion, right? Remember how many different things that was at any given time? That's true. Yeah, companies come and go, and people move, and I guess you don't really think about it like in your lifetime because it doesn't happen as often as like when you hear about it. It's like over a span of years. Right. Yeah, we're talking a couple hundred years. Yeah. Not doing the math here, but... <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me to do the math. I don't know. <laughs> that was it. Anything else? Oh, well, I won't ask you if you have any dumb criminal stories because I know your back's hurting, so... Uh, not tonight, but I do want to know, the girl was brave enough and didn't, like, go running back to the bathroom after seeing... No, it didn't say anything about her freaking <laughs> out like the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to judge the dishwasher. Yeah. I have no, not yes, been in that situation. No, yes, we're not. I'm just teasing. We're not shaming the dishwasher. Yeah. But no, I didn't read anything about her freaking out. It's um, impressive. I don't. Well, I don't know. If you if you don't know the history, yeah, and you just saw something odd like that, especially at that age, no expectation of seeing anything like that while you're walking in a restaurant, would it just be kind of like, a, wow, that was odd? I don't know. It's a tough situation. I haven't been in that. I guess we have to go to the restaurant now. <laughs> yes, it looks like a very fine place to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're never alone. You don't have to eat alone. They are busy. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from the ghost. They did say most of the sightings, occurrences happen after hours when there's fewer people around. That makes sense. They're shy. Yeah. They're shy ghosts. Or maybe it's just so busy that things are going on. That they don't even get recognized? Yeah, the ghosts are getting mad. <laughs> they don't even recognize them here. <laughs> knocking stuff over. You know, they're, yeah. people are yelling at their kids for knocking silverware off the table. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kids. <laughs> anyway, we'll wrap this up so you can go tend to your back. Yes. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure to visit next week for more weird and creepy stories. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 12 past 3 or email us at podcast at 12past3.com. Good night. Good night.